Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Um, watching and waiting, and there are, is no confirmation at this point of chemical weapons having been used in uh, Mariupol in uh, Ukraine, but there are reports, anecdotal reports, that something was used, some sort of agent, but none of the Western governments or the Ukrainian government have been able to confirm that any chemical weapons were used at this point, regardless, regardless of how that turns out. We've all seen the pictures. We've all seen the videos. The evidence that has come out of places like Bucha in Ukraine, where we know that um, what seem to be obvious war crimes and atrocities have been committed. And it just, it really lit a fire under a lot of people, I think, when we saw the evidence of, of what had happened in some of these occupied communities and cities and towns. And we've seen the bombing of hospitals and schools and, and all the rest. So um, a lot of the questions, we're not waiting for answers. Some we are. But we already have a lot of answers that um, it's awful. And can Canada do more? Should Canada do more? Um, we're going to have a discussion now about that very topic with Marta Ditchuk, who is an associate professor of history and political science specializing in Ukraine at Western University. Marta, thank you for joining us once again. I appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. Um, now, when we get into this discussion, you, uh, we're referencing a piece you wrote for uh, theconversation.com, um, but I, mm-hmm. I just want to talk a bit about um, your, your, your position on this. Of course, this is, is your, your area of study, but you've actually you, you've, you've spoken on this to government officials, people investigating what Canada should be doing, right? I mean, you have, it's not an official role, but you are an advisor to government in some capacity. Well, I was simply asked to appear before the Senate Committee on Foreign Affairs and International Development as one of the expert witnesses to provide information on what's happening and recommendations. So when we take a look at where we are, and you know, this has been going on for, I think it's 50 days now, uh, something like yep. that. Um, mm-hmm. how, how has Canada um, stepped up to this point? What would you say we've done well? What do we need to do better? I mean, just sort of, if you had to put a grade on what Canada has done in the last 50 days, what would you say? Well, I'm going to quote Ukraine's President Zelensky, who says repeatedly, thank you for everything you're doing, but we need more help. And I think that's it in a nutshell, that Ukraine cannot win this war on its own. Ukraine is far smaller than Russia. And a lot of countries, including Canada, are saying, you guys are doing a great job, keep it up. But Ukrainians keep saying we need more help, and that help is forthcoming very slowly. It could be much stronger, much faster. How could it be? Let's talk about it. You, you point out five key areas where you think Canada could be doing more. Let's just walk through them. Uh, the first one is diplomacy. What do you mean when you say Canada could do a better job in the diplomacy front with this? Well, Canada is the first Western country to have recognized Ukraine's independence 30 years ago. And there's this narrative that Canada-Ukraine have a special relationship But has any Canadian official been to Ukraine since this all started? No. We saw this week British Prime Minister Boris Johnson got on a train and he went to Kyiv and he met with President Zelensky and they walked around down central Kyiv. 
the uh, European Union, uh, the European Commission, they have reopened their diplomatic representation in Kyiv. Lithuania has op- reopened their embassy. Uh, what is Canada doing? Well, what should we do? I mean, should we be doing this? Should Trudeau arrive in Ukraine or, uh, you know, should we have more I people there? Or? That would be an incredible sign of support for mm-hmm. Ukraine. Um, they're constantly saying, please help us. And other leaders are visiting. Um, the president of the European Parliament went to Ukraine yeah. and met with President Zelensky. That is such an important sign of support. And Canada says, we are your friend. Well, perhaps that could be demonstrated on a diplomatic level. Second thing they could be doing on the diplomatic level, they being Canadian government, they could be taking a stronger position on the diplomatic representatives from Russia who are in Canada, who remain in Canada. Many countries have expelled a lot of Russian diplomats. Now, diplomatic relations need to remain open because that's how you negotiate. But there's no need to have all of them still here. I was at a rally in downtown Toronto on Sunday where Ukraine's consul uh, general said, why is the Russian consulate in Toronto still open? Why are they all still living here, sipping lattes and going for walks in the park when their government is killing Ukrainians? They should be asked to leave. They should be made not welcome in Canada. And that has happened, as you say, in many other Western nations. Absolutely. They've downscaled their diplomatic representations. You don't need the cultural attaché. You don't need all of these people right. here. Yeah. Um, okay. The other one, and I think this is one that we've heard a lot of talk around from our leaders, including Trudeau, talking about increasing defense spending and, and all the rest, being more of an assistance in terms of military support. Um, it seems like there's been a lot of talk. How much action has been done there? Well, Canada has been supplying Ukraine with training, with arms, throughout this eight-year war. So it's not like Canada hasn't done anything. But again, they need to be doing more. I mean, President Zelensky said to the NATO countries, just give us 1% of what you have. That will help us. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy-on, easy-off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. 1% of NATO's capacity, they could easily just transfer all of that. Right. And, I mean, we don't know exactly how much is being transferred. We just hear what the announcements are. But the Ukrainians are constantly saying, please give us more. And we're seeing the evidence. I mean, we all watch the the bombing and the destruction. Um, Ukrainians need more defensive weapons. No question about that. Yeah. I know we talk a lot about economic sanctions. That's a big push. Has been for a long, long time and, uh, you know, unprecedented. We've never seen anything like it. Um, is there more that can be done there in terms of what we're doing to inflict economic pain on Russia? Absolutely. There are still a lot of Russian businessmen living comfortably in Canada and making money. And there are Russian ships that are coming to Canada. Uh, Again, Ukraine is saying, please stop these economic relations. Russia needs to be economically isolated. 
Because as long as it keeps making money in Canada and U.S. and other countries, it can continue perpetrating war against Ukraine. And then, of course, there's talk we're going to try and, you know, relieve some of the energy dependence in Europe, but that's going to be small uh, and that's going to take time. But that's another area where we're talking about doing more. Absolutely. I mean, here where Trudeau actually did make a good statement that Canada can increase its production of oil and sell it to partners in Europe to help them relieve their dependency on Russian supplies, but also in the long term, because we need to be thinking just short, medium and long term here. um, If all countries move towards renewable energy, then Russia's capacity to make money internationally will be completely reduced. Because if we're switching to green energy, we're not going to need to buy their gas anymore. Right, yeah. Um, Marta, I know there's a story Global News has today, uh, a number of uh, people from Afghanistan that we were supposed to be helping as refugees and bringing to this country say they feel like they've been forgotten and abandoned. Uh, We did the same thing with um, Ukraine in terms of offering, you know, visas and all the rest of that. Uh, You're working with some people, you're in touch with people in Ukraine. How are we doing on that front? Has Canada managed to actually walk the walk this time? Well, let's compare what Canada's doing and what Poland is doing. When this started, Poland opened its borders and said, anybody who needs to flee from the war, come and we will help you. Yeah. So millions and millions of people are currently in Poland. The Polish government, which is far less wealthy than the Canadian government, is helping millions of Ukrainians. What has Canada done? We're going to take 100,000. Right. How long will that even take? That's the other question, right? I mean, how quickly are we making this happen? Well, precisely. I mean, first of all, the doors need to be opened much more widely, and resources need to be put to actually help people. And the package that Canada opened to people coming from Ukraine didn't include health care. So people fleeing from war, some of them will be injured, some of them will need health care. That's not part of the package. Now, Ontario's government uh, just recently said that health care will be provided to everybody who comes to Ontario. But that needs to be done on a national level. It needs to be to everybody who's coming. Um, last one, and I think this one's really interesting to me specifically, and I'm sure most people mm. do, is information. <laughs> information, yes. I mean, we talk about that, and yes. we know that this whole disinformation effort is very effective in some areas. How can Canada, I mean, we can't handle disinformation in our own country. How can we wade into this international conflict in terms of information and be a service there? Well, it's not that difficult. It's up to journalists like yourself and all journalists to just, Think about what you're saying and what you're doing and listen to the rhetoric that's coming out of Moscow and respond critically. So is this the Ukraine crisis or is this Russia's invasion of Ukraine? It's just about using the accurate words to describe what is happening. Just the terminology, you're right. I mean, the way you (laughs) present it makes a big difference, right? Absolutely. So alleged war crimes in Bucha. Well, We've all seen those pictures. So where's the alleged? (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah. You know, I mean... I mean, this is something that all journalists should be doing. And journalists in Ukraine are appealing to international journalists and saying, look at what's happening and report accurately. Yeah. 
Exactly. I mean, uh, to, to defend media, which is, I think, is a response for me as a guy who's been in media. So I think, I, you know, there are we've mobilized a lot of for, we've got a lot of people on the ground there that are covering this story. I think we're seeing this this conflict unlike we've ever seen a conflict before. You know what I mean? Absolutely. We're seeing it in real time. Yeah. Yeah. Which is precisely why it shouldn't be so hard to get it right, because there are so many journalists on the ground. And I have to say there has been a shift in the reporting since all the journalists went to Ukraine, are seeing with their own eyes, are talking to Ukrainians yeah. and giving voice to people, both government officials and ordinary people. So that narrative is shifting, but I still occasionally hear the Ukraine crisis. And I think, oh my God, who's still calling it the Ukraine crisis? Yeah, you, you mean, you, you, it, Russia's invasion of Ukraine or Russia's war against Ukraine is, is the more accurate terminology you're saying? Well, precisely. Yeah. Precisely. Yeah. That's what's happening. Because if somebody says the Ukraine crisis, it makes it sound like Ukraine's causing a crisis. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. Uh, yeah, fair enough. Absolutely. Um, Marta, I, I am out of time, unfortunately. I always love chatting. and we'll, we'll do this again soon. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. You bet. That is Marta Ditchek, who is an associate professor of history and political science specializing in Ukraine, Western University, talking about her piece at theconversation.com, five areas where Canada needs to step up on the war in Ukraine.